Section 4 of How to Have Bird Neighbors. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. How to Have Bird Neighbors by S. Louise Pattison. The Bluebird's Bungalow. I love the springtime because it brings my birds back from their winter homes. One cold March day, I saw something blue flash across the sky. Can that be the bluebird I've been waiting for? I thought. It flew into a tree, then alighted on a clothesline post. I could plainly see the blue on its back and the red on its front. Yes, it was the bluebird. His song was as beautiful as his plumage, but in a minor tone. Deary, deary. Next, he flew to the top of the wren house, tripped along the roof, leaned over, and looked at the little porches. Then he went down on one of them and looked into the room. That was as far as he could go. The entrances to these apartments had been made for the tiny wrens and not for bluebirds. When he saw the bluebird house in the tree, he flew to a branch just in front of it and looked at it a while. Then he flew back to the wren house and tried that again. He liked it so well he couldn't bear to give it up. After a week or so, another bird came, of much paler hue, but with the reddish breast. The song of my bluebird now became long and pleading, Deary, dear, dear, deary, but it still remained subdued and minor. Together, he and his newly arrived companion visited the birdhouses, so I concluded that they were mates. They could hardly make up their minds which house to take, so pleased were they with all of them. Mrs. Bluebird tried the wren house, too, but when she saw she could not get inside, she did not go there any more. My prettiest bluebird house was on our hammock post, well shaded by our biggest tree. I had read somewhere that bluebirds like to have one house for spring and another for summer, so this house was made with two rooms, one above the other. I thought the bluebirds would surely like this double house better than the single one, for they went inside it many times and always stayed there long. The other house, which was mounted on a young maple, was not nearly so pretty. It was made out of cigar boxes, and I had forgotten to take off the labels. After the bluebirds had visited it, I did not dare touch it, because if their houses are interfered with, birds are liable to go away. Both the maple and the hammock post were well protected with tin sheeting. One day, Mrs. Bluebird fetched some grasses in her bill, to my great joy, she alighted on the perch in front of the double house. Twice she poised to fly, but did not. At last she flew. And where do you think she went? Why, to that ugly little house with the labels on it. While she was in the house, Mr. Bluebird alighted on the porch, looked in, and sang a little song. Mrs. Bluebird flew out past him and almost brushed him off. Then he went inside. And just as Mrs. Bluebird returned with some more grasses, he came out with a chip in his bill. Some chips had fallen inside when I made the entrance, and he did not like that. The little house must be clean, since Mrs. Bluebird was going to make her nest in it. Sometimes he brought a grass or two. She brought whole wads of grasses, but he made up in attentions to her. Wherever she might be working, he perched nearby on a fence post or a low branch, and kept his eyes on her. 
as she went from place to place to find the right kind of grasses, or to the little house to throw them in, he always followed her. Sometimes she was just gliding through the entrance with a load as he alighted on the housetop with a choice morsel for her to eat. One day, our neighbor's cat was hiding behind an evergreen near where Mrs. Bluebird was hunting grasses. Mr. Bluebird's bright eyes saw her just in time. Dear, 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 he cried quickly and jerkily. Mrs. Bluebird knew what that meant. Danger, fly quick. Up she flew and away. The cat jumped high and almost caught her. After that, I chased the cat away every time I saw her. There certainly should be a law to make people keep their cats at home. When Mrs. Bluebird had her house all furnished, she stayed at home about two weeks and took a good rest. Mr. Bluebird continued to bring her meals and to entertain her. When he was not hunting bugs and worms or chasing English sparrows, he was sure to be somewhere near home, singing his sweetest songs. When Mrs. Bluebird was able to be out again, she and Mr. Bluebird were busier than ever. Both were carrying food to the little house. I knew then that they had babies in there, so I called him father and her mother. The bluebirds caught some of their food in the air, but a good deal of it they picked up in my garden. I had some low stakes there expressly for them. They perched on these and on the bean poles, and from there pounced on many a luckless worm or bug that their sharp eyes espied. I am sure the bluebirds are great helpers in a garden. After two busy weeks of baby tending, father and mother bluebird did just what the little wrens had done. They made the babies come outside for their food or go hungry. I think the first little bird to leave a nest must be very courageous. The others usually follow close after him. It was so with these bluebirds, and as they came out, one after another, mother coaxed them over to the thornapple bushes. She did it by calling, dear, dear and flying back and forth between the little house and the bushes. Some of the baby bluebirds were quite obedient and flew after the mother. Two liked it so well on a branch in front of their house that they stayed there a while, then flew to other branches in the same tree. Father looked after these, and mother stayed with the other three. What a chatter they always made when food was brought to them. It seemed as if each one said, Come to me, come to me. While father and mother bluebird had those babies to feed and to care for, they started another housekeeping. This time they moved into the pretty double house and took the lower story. In the second coming out party, there were four more little bluebirds. All through this second housekeeping, the English sparrows tried repeatedly to get into the upper story, and father bluebird had to spend much time chasing them away. In the one-story house, he had that much more time to get food or to sing. I did not clean the bungalow house after their first nesting because I did not want the bluebirds to nest in it again. After the double house was vacated, I cleaned both houses and found that the bluebirds had used only grasses and a few feathers for their nesting. In each case, they had covered the entire floor with grasses, but the cup-like nest was back against the rear wall, as far from the entrance as it could possibly be. What could this mean but that the bluebird likes a house with depth so she can bed her young as far back from meddling paws as possible. This much I learned from examining the deserted bluebird nests. End of section four. Read by Jeremy Clark.